0: Hello and welcome to the Picture Books to Gang's interview series, Picture Books and Justice. Picture Books and Justice is a series where we interview a creator from the picture book world and get to know them a little better. To us, there's nothing better than a beautiful spellbinding picture book that has social justice themes. PB&J is your afternoon book snack, so let's dig in. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of PB&J. Future Cory here and today is a really special one because over the weekend I got a chance to speak with author Kwame Alexander about his new book written with James Patterson titled Becoming Muhammad Ali which will be available October 5th next Monday folks. Kwame Alexander hardly needs an introduction in the book world, but let me give you a quick rundown of some of his accomplishments before I turn your ears over to the wonderful interview I was able to have with him. Kwame is a poet, educator, and New York Times best-selling author of 28 books, including The Undefeated, Swing, and Rebound. The follow-up to the Newbery medal-winning novel The Crossover. His story is not a rags-to-riches story, but it is a story of starting at ground zero as a resourceful writer and businessman who sold books out of his car and at farmers markets to becoming an expert in engaging young audiences for companies like Nike, ESPN, Sesame Street, uh, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt and Follett. A regular contributor to NPR's Morning Edition, Kwame is the recipient of numerous awards, including the Coretta Scott King Author Honor, the Lee Bennett Hopkins Poetry Prize, three NAACP Image Award nominations, and the 2017 inaugural Pat Conroy Legacy Award. Kwame is the co-founder of LEAP, Leap, an international literacy. Empowerment organization that built the Barbara E. Memorial Library and Health Clinic in the eastern region of Ghana, and the founder of Versify, an imprint of Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, which publishes books that will engage, entertain, and empower young people to imagine a better world. Becoming Muhammad Ali is actually a YA book, but it's beautifully written and includes illustrations and Cassius's narration flows like poetry throughout the novel. Kwame and James Patterson teamed up to write this forthcoming book. James describes his writing career as characterized by a single mission to prove that there is no such thing as a person who doesn't like to read, only people who haven't found the right book. He's given over 3 million books to school kids and the military, donated more than 70 million dollars to support education, and endowed over 5,000 college scholarships for teachers, The National Book Foundation recently presented Patterson with the Librarian Award for Outstanding Service to the American Literary Community, and he is also the recipient of an Edgar Award and six Emmy Awards. I will link both Kwame and James's websites in the show notes below, where I found these specifics about them, as well as the Versify and HMH pages so you can check them out at your leisure. And a quick anecdote before I release you to what you're really here for. When I was telling Allie and Kelly about the interview, Allie says to me, This is the nicest I've ever heard you speak about any man. So that should enlighten you as to the level of fangirl that I currently am about Kwame and and also becoming Muhammad Ali, which I am just now finishing up and very excited to give my full review of. And so we have reached the end of Future Cory's Nattering On, and please enjoy this interview with Kwame Alexander, and be sure to listen to the end to hear how awkwardly I end the interview. Goodbye, lovely people! Hi everyone, this is Corey from The Tiny Activists, and I have the pleasure today of speaking with author Kwame Alexander about his upcoming book, Becoming Muhammad Ali, and that is actually going to be available on October 5th, so we were going to hang and chat for a little bit today, so welcome, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, I'm really excited to talk about this book.
0: Woo! Yeah, I love the cover. It's so bright and striking, too. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> the illustrator, his name is Dawood, and he lives in Atlanta, and he's really phenomenal.
0: Very cool. Yeah, the illustrations are really great. And so I guess the thing that is most on my mind is, um, what did you find most surprising in your research for the new book?
1: I think that Muhammad Ali always knew the fact that he always knew he was the greatest, even when he was a kid. (laughs) So he was arrogant and funny, you know, even as a 12 year old. And I just found that really interesting because, you know, for some reason, I don't know, I, I never knew, I didn't know about his childhood. I just sort of, we've all known about him as an adult, as a professional, as a boxer, as a heavyweight champion, as an activist, as an icon. But, you know, to find out that he, you know, Many of the things that he's um, personality traits that he exhibited as an adult, I guess it really isn't surprising that they were there as a kid, but it was just really cool to find that out.
0: That is really cool. I think it's so special when a child has just like an unbreakable air of confidence about them, especially if you're in a marginalized group in any way, then the world is basically designed to break you down. and You know, it's, it's a special personality trait to have that. I, you know, and what you said is exactly right. I remember, you know, just the pictures of him boxing and that's it. Um, As a child, I used to have one of those really old, like life photography books, you know, like the best photos of the decade for the 20th century. And there was just him there boxing, but nothing, you know, about his youth or childhood or anything.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why we decided to do the book, so the kids could know that he didn't make the best grades. You know, he was kind of bullied. You know, he did have a crush. Um, he was sort of facing a lot of racism and injustice. And he had an amazing family and a lot of cool friends. And he loved playing sports. And and he survived. He was, He persevered he figured it out and he had an amazing support system. So I really think kids can learn that no matter what their circumstances or situations are, you know, whether it be in school or at home, that they can become the greatest at what they wanna be. And that's the hope that, that readers get from this story.
0: Definitely. I will confess, I haven't finished it yet, because I haven't been able to read all the way through it since I received it, but I'm so excited to finish it. Um, It's very excellent.
1: Thank you, thank you. Well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but he does become a heavyweight champion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I might not be the most athletic, but I do know that he was the heavyweight champion, so you know sit safely you didn't spoil anything for me and hopefully for (laughs) nobody else (laughs) right Right. and i was really particularly struck um by the book and want to hear a bit more about the connection between ali's activism and the current activism with athletes that we see today
1: yeah i mean cassius clay grew up in his community in louisville where um being a black person required you to be an activist every day of your life. I mean because you were you were facing racism and white supremacy and social injustice on a daily basis. And so you figure out pretty early on that it's not fair, it's not right, it's not good, and so how are you going to resist that? And so he grew up in this community where, you know, it was just a matter of breathing. That, that's what activism was: how to make this commun- how to make this world, you know, better. How to how to fight for your equality. And then there were people in his life, like his uh, like his grandfather, um, a local teacher who um, she created voting machines out of cardboard in order to teach the local community people how to vote properly. So he grew up around these people who were activists, you know, you know, earnest in earnest, and so I think it was just natural for him to sort of become who he was. I don't know how you could grow up in the 50s and 60s in this country and not sort of have those sensibilities, and and he had them for sure.
0: Definitely, I think one of the issues that I have run into, um, I'm a former classroom teacher, is the way that in a lot of schools, the civil rights movement and the modern black freedom struggle are taught with sort of having these figureheads, instead of explaining like the widespread community organizing and activism that took place to really be on the ground in every small town in every community. And it wasn't just a couple key people that were making everything happen
1: yeah you're spot on you know martin luther king malcolm x magra evers fannie lou hamer you know stokely carmichael these were amazing you know people amazing individuals um and you know you can't have a, a a protest or a march or a rally with with, with those handful of people. There's got to be you know the people on the ground who are um, are not going to school or not going to work because this is important. Like these people believed it, it was a matter of life or death. And so nothing else mattered but fighting for equality. Um, fighting for justice, fighting for freedom. And In order to do that, there has to be some serious organizing going on. There has to be some serious coordinating and communication. There has to be some consensus and community. And I I just I concur and agree with you wholeheartedly that uh, a movement is made by the people, and 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 that is inspirational to kids because you know kids don't necessarily think they can be a martin luther king i mean they may you know it it seems too far-fetched and it's the same thing with ali a lot of who think what kid thinks they could actually be ali maybe six seven eight-year-old kids might say it but when they're 18 19 20 who actually thinks they could achieve that level and i think one of the reasons we did this book and sort of what you're speaking at is that you can do it 'Cause Ali started as Cassius Clay, he started as a kid, just like these kids who'll be reading this book.
0: I completely agree with you. That's why I feel, you know, so passionately about introducing social justice education at a young age. So all of this is really deeply embedded in the foundation, like the education and the values that children grow up and develop with so that they understand, you know, not only that it takes more than one person to be a movement, but also that they are capable of change in wherever they are, at whatever age they are.
1: Absolutely, that's it, we should put, we should put that on t-shirts.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, I'm in if you are. <laughs> and so what do you think is most valuable about social justice education for young people?
1: We want young people to be better adults than we are. We want, you know, the mind of an adult begins in the imagination of a kid. Social justice is not just about teaching kids, you know, lecturing kids about what's right and how to treat people and, and, and how the laws should, should better reflect, you know, um, all Americans. Um, rights. And it's not just about teaching that. It's about helping young people develop an imagination that empowers them to be the human beings that they are. Because the kids aren't necessarily the problem. It's the adults who are teaching the kids, who who are putting books in the kids' hands because they think this book is has a male, has a male character is the lead. So it should be a boy reading it. Or, you know, this book has a black character. So it should just be a black kid reading it. Like if we want kids to be more connected, more empathetic, better human beings who embrace all facets of our humanity, which includes social justice, then we got to give them you know, as a writer, I'm a big fan of making sure that the books we put in the kids' hands prepare them for the world, help them develop a really full um, um, imagination. So that's 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 what I think. Social justice is is a byproduct of a way of thinking that can be developed and nurtured in our children if you help them become better human beings. And how do we do that? I think one way of doing that is giving them books that reflect the world that we live in.
0: That's an excellent point. It also kind of makes me think about that if we are teaching all this to the younger generations, then generally the world that is beneficial and equitable for everybody, then we won't exactly need, you know, the phrase social justice education anymore because it will have transformed into something that works for everybody instead of just a very minute sliver of the population.
1: We need social justice for us, for the adults. Who are teaching the kids? That's who needs social justice classes. That's who needs to. That's who need to be taught about equality and, and you know, that's who needs those lectures. The <laughs> adults.
0: Well, I sign up. I'll give anyone any lecture about that anytime, <laughs> even when they least expect
1: it. We'll, we'll, all be, we'll all be waiting in line for that. I'm sure because you <laughs> you seem like somebody who who, who believes in it.
0: I'm trying with every every fiber of my being to be to be honest. Um, and I really love the way that in your answer you just brought in books too and the books that we need to be giving, you know, the the students and you know the adults. I feel genuinely that even adults can learn from any age book that they're reading. But what do you feel needs to change about the publishing industry as a whole?
1: Um, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. Um, I run my own imprint, Versify, and so I spend my time trying to make the world better through the books that we publish. Um, if I, if I got caught up in thinking about what other publishers aren't doing or what they should be doing, it would distract me from the, the energy and the focus that I need in order to, 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 to change the world one word at a time. So... Yeah. I'm I'm in the business of trying to create opportunities for authors to tell their stories that matter, to to publish intelligent entertainment that's going to make kids want to read and help them become better.
0: Which, honestly, is the best, you know, like the biggest answer that you could have. You're not wasting time thinking about it. You're actually out there doing it and making it happen yourself. So. And... I did have one more follow-up question about the publishing industry, which I don't know if maybe um, you have been thinking about it at all, but, you know, given, like, the last few months and sort of the recent and very long overdue um, sort of upheavals and researched interest in the Black Lives Matter movement, do you think that because of all this, things will begin to shift in the industry to more of, um, say, imprints that you're running, like Versify?
1: Um, all I can do is speak for myself that I'm going to ensure that we continue doing the kind of work that I feel is meaningful and significant and relevant and, and speaks to, and speaks to, to, to the moment and speaks to the future and speaks to these kids. Um, my hope is that other people do the same thing, um, but it is my goal to ensure that at least I do it
0: fingers and toes crossed that other people will follow suit and I don't want to take up too too much of your time uh, but I was wondering what your biggest piece of advice to parents caregivers and educators um, about their bookshelf you know what what would you say
1: let your bookshelf reflect the kind of world you claim you want for your kids it's as simple as that look at your shelf. Look at the books. Those books reflect the kind of world that you want your kids to inherit, that you want them to imagine, that you want them to live in. And if they don't, then you got some work to do.
0: I'm with you. I agree. I also think that sometimes, you know, the things that you take away from the bookshelf can be just as impactful as the things that you add to it, although you should be adding all sorts of things all the time. Absolutely. So, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I could I could go on and on. Um, honestly, it would be it would be great. I would love to to chat more, but I know that it's late in where you are. So I just yep. want to thank you so late. much.
1: Thank you, and thank you for letting me talk about this book. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I am so excited for it to be out in the world and others to be able to read it. It's very brilliant, much like all of your other books are uh, that I definitely recommend. But all right. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.